This is a big year. The Ohio Lottery's golden anniversary. 50 years of excitement, of growing jackpots and crossed fingers. 50 years of funding for schools, of changed lives and brightened days. 50 years of fun. And that is worth celebrating. So watch for can't-miss promotions, huge events, and new games that will make the Ohio Lottery's 50th year its biggest one yet. Learn more at funturns50.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We wanna do a little number for you now. Talk is Jericho, baby. Talk is Jericho. Talk is Jericho, mama. Talk is me. All right, welcome to Talk is Jericho. It's the pot of thunder and rock and roll, and the only place you'll hear the trademarked, copywritten Duff McKagan joke of the week. People! Chris Jericho, Stuff McKagan calling you. Hey, listen, did you hear about the, uh, the really stupid uh, terrorist that tried to blow up the bus today? Yeah, well, he didn't get very far. He burned his lips on the tailpipe. Thank you very much. <laughs> that wasn't bad. I could you not laugh at that? His delivery alone is the best. Slightly confused. Uh, thank you, Duff, for making us laugh every single Friday. But oh, yeah. we got a great watch along today. I'm pretty much going to get right to it. You know what it is. You've seen the uh, the headline. That's why you're listening. Frank Fonseray from Fozzie. Chris L., the mysterious Chris L. from the Pod of Thunder podcast. And drummer extraordinaire ZO2 and fellow gig pig Joey Casada are here to watch Kiss Animalize live uncensored. If you haven't seen it, it's on YouTube. It is actually the 35th anniversary of that concert. Uh, they actually recorded that. Actually, the 36th anniversary. I believe they recorded that December 9th or December 8th. Uh, 1984. So here it is, the 35th anniversary. If you haven't watched it, it's one of my, my all-time favorite gigs and one of Kiss's best gigs right in the middle of their 80s heyday. So pull it up, turn it on, go on YouTube, check it out and rock out along with us starting in three, two, one. Ah, yeah! <laughs> so uh, once again, quarantine times, all of us are looking for something fun to do. And both uh, Joey Casada and Frank Fonseray, the two drummers, suggested doing uh, Animalized Live, uncensored, uh, watch along. And I thought it would be great to do that with another uh, huge Kiss fan. So we got Chris L. from Pot of Thunder, Frank Fonseray from Fozzie, and Joey Casada, number one best selling author, uh, starts with a dream, uh, SWAD, as we like to call it. There you go. Plug- yeah, there you go. Plug that book, one of the uh, great sponsors for the uh, Saturday Night Special, and the only sponsor for the Saturday Night Special. <laughs> That's saying something. <laughs> so uh, let's just kick it off with, with Frank and Joey. Uh, Joey, you start. How many times have you seen this gig? Jesus Christ. I mean, when I was growing up, we were just talking off camera. This was my Bible. This was the be-all, end-all. you got to understand, in the early 80s, there was no other concert videos 
to see of Kiss. There was no makeup videos. There wasn't, you know, all these bootlegs on YouTube. You had one thing to go to, and it was Kiss Animalize Uncensored. So I must have watched this literally every day after school for probably three straight years. How about, uh, how about you, Frank? Yeah, uh, you know, it's funny. I didn't think about that, but it's true. When this came out, there wasn't any other uh, Kiss live video, long-form pro-shot live video like this at all. And uh, the funny thing is, is uh, I actually heard this broadcast on the radio before I saw the, uh, the radio. Before I saw the yeah, on the radio. Uh, I actually was uh, like riding around with a friend in our car and this was on, uh, I think it was the, maybe the King Biscuit Flower Hour or something like that. I, um, <laughs> something that if that was it, but it was broadcast live on the radio and that's where I heard it. I didn't actually see it until later. Uh, now, Chris L, you uh, have the most Kiss podcast experience from doing every single Kiss song as a podcast, 250-odd Kiss songs. So in all your Kiss experience, how many times have you seen this gig? Well, I've already caught some heat for this revelation, but the uh, number of times I've seen this is zero. I have never seen this. Now, there's nothing to Disgusting. Catch. No, there's nothing to catch. I just think it's great that like this untapped gem you're about to be exposed to, no pun intended, after having so much kiss experience. <laughs> Did you not hear about this uh, this DVD or this video, this VHS tape at all? I had never uh, knew it was it existed. Um, I had the extreme close up DVD, um, but like exposed in this one, just never made it onto my radar for whatever reason. Well, like I like Frank said, and the other guys, when this came out, we recorded it off of. I'm not even sure where, probably when the VHS tape came out, which was just 35 years ago last week, by the way. And oh, um, unbelievable. We, we made dubs of it, copies of it. And I remember I watched this thing <laughs> you'd have on Matt, on a, is it not Matt? Is it masking tape? The white tape that you would put down from school and you'd, you write kiss and black felt marker <clears throat> animalized to it. Oh yeah. And then the, the, the masking tape started falling off because it was rotting because we watched it so much. But, <laughs> and, uh, and just before we get started, uh, Frank and I have watched this on tour, I don't know, two dozen times. Yeah. And we've introduced it to a lot of people, too. Yeah. Whenever people are looking for like, show us like you, sometimes we tour with younger bands. Show us so, some some good old rock and roll. We're like, all right. Check. This yeah. Out. Yeah. And so, they'd be like, man, this guy's really this guy's really put a lot of energy into their show, man. This is a big year. The Ohio Lottery's golden anniversary. 50 years of excitement, of growing jackpots and crossed fingers. 50 years of funding for schools, of changed lives and brightened days. 50 years of fun. And that is worth celebrating. So watch for can't-miss promotions, huge events, and new games that will make the Ohio Lottery's 50th year its biggest one yet. Learn more at funturns50.com. With no further ado, let's start with the majesty that is Kiss Animalize, live, uncensored, and we'll get the details of when exactly it, it uh, was. I think it was December 1984. Uh, so here we go. It starts out here. The Kiss Company now, presents. I always remember that. See, now I'm going to be like. I'm like going to be like one of these young rockers on your bus that you're getting yes, to you do. Yes, you are. And guess what awesome you have to do to get on our bus, Chris L. Let me tell you. 
It won't be the, wouldn't be the first time or my last, as Bob from Labombo would say. So this was recorded actually on my father Ted's birthday, December eighth, nineteen eighty four. Oh, cool! Right? Wow. Yeah. So there you go. I was uh, I was I had just turned fourteen years old. Funny story. I I reenacted them coming up from the rafters like this. I was on the Tony Awards a couple of years ago, and the band rose from the the basement. And I reenacted Eric coming up. <laughs> and everyone was like, what the hell are you doing? I'm like, kiss animalize, baby. <laughs> I love how you dropped that little. I was on the Tonys a few years ago. <laughs> as, all we, as we all were. So here, here they go. go. Great entrance on the top of the... Uh... Now, this is at Cobo Arena in Detroit, correct? Yes. I'm surprised you were there Chris. Chris is from Detroit. See, now, I would have been a senior in high school at this time, and uh, Cobo Arena is where I saw my very first uh, big-time concert. It was uh, Van Halen Diver Down Tour, summer of 82. Uh, Look at Paul prancing around. You see him? (laughs) (laughs) I love the uh, Paul's wearing some great looking uh, clothes here as well. It's funny. They always say, you know, the 80s kiss didn't have costumes like the 70s kiss. Bullshit. Look at the costumes they wear. Look at Eric's costume. It looks killer. And they were still wearing makeup, too. Sure they were. Frank, check your text quickly. Love the uh, Eric Carr wearing the animalized style uh, outfit. You got him on? Perfect. So good. So good. Look how fast Detroit Rock City is. I mean, a lot of people give them shit for this, but I love it this speed. I think it's energetic. Look at Eric go. It's amazing. Yeah, it's some of the stuff in this video is just so fast. Back then it wasn't. Yeah, you, back then I was watching this, and I used to put on the albums and be like, why is it so slow? Yeah, that's true. For certain songs, that's true. But when we get to... Not to jump ahead, when we get to Creatures of the Night, for me, it's almost unlistenable because it's just so fast. <laughs> well, and, and, and this apparently was a, was a message from Gene in that he wanted these uh, songs faster because that was kind of the thing of the day was play quicker. But this is so fast. I mean, this is almost thrash metal. And I always, when I, when I look at this and I think of that era, I think of a, um, a magazine reviewer or somebody who referred to Gene's uh, look is having a Prince Valiant wig on. <laughs> but again, looking back, the wig is not as bad as I remember. I mean, look at Gene's hair, his real hair now. I'd much yeah. rather ha- see that wig. Yeah, it just looks like he just dis- it looks like he discovered products. <laughs> well, the best part is he's got the headband that holds his uh, his wig on. If you see, yeah, check, that's check a good move. Time, that's Frank. a smart move. Well, this was right. This is right when they filmed uh, uh, Runaway, and he had to cut all his hair off. Right, exactly right. And this is also, too, Bruce Kulick's first official gig with the band. I, I think I read that he signed the contract, like, that day before the show. Wow. They were actually were calling him Spruce Kulick at this time because he was scared to move, <laughs> and the reason why it was his first actual show. Well, what's so funny is, it's like, he actually, he's moving. He's not moving as much as the other guys, but... Uh, I remember you. I think it was Chris. You told me that Paul joked about they thought about buying a big pot that he could stand in, like a potted plant. <laughs> but, but you watch. But he's he's moving. He's just not moving as much as Gene and Paul are. But he's moving. 
Yeah, I don't mind Bruce's stage moves on this. I think, listen, it's his first gig with Kiss. I mean, come on. He doesn't want to. He's not going to hog the stage from Paul prancing around and, and Gene, you know, sticking his tongue out. Come and on. That's not his role. That's not his role. And he knows right. it. I mean, he certainly moves. You know, Ace didn't move a whole lot. So. What do you think, Chris? What are your first? Uh, I had one of those animalized shirts. And I'll tell you something with this animalized shirt. Uh, it's a tour shirt, and when you bought it, I bought it, it had uh, it, uh, had Mark St. John on it. And I couldn't oh. figure out uh, who this new guy was on stage. I called him Ruth Cullick maybe for like 15 years. I had no idea how to pronounce Hewlett. <laughs> Our rule is whenever Paul speaks, we have to listen. You know, I know something. You, you know, know it too. We're doing this tonight. This is going out live on the radio. We're filming this for an MTV concert. What? <laughs> now, I know we got some people here tonight that can drink a little bit of alcohol. I do. And when you're down in the dumps and you need something to bring you up, there's only one drink that's going to do it for you. You know what I'm talking about. Classic intro if I've ever heard one. Chris L, I would give anything to see you in that Paul Stanley shirt right now. I don't know about that. The uh, <laughs> the old I've got the quarantine fifteen uh, <laughs> times about four or five right about now. And, uh, it's been a rough one, but uh, I, I find it interesting how early uh, cold gin is coming up in the set here. You know, everyone bags on Kiss during the 80s, and they definitely had some crazy costumes. Mostly it's because of Asylum, but these costumes are all pretty cool. And Gene, Gene's got leather, sticking with the leather. He looks great. Well, that's certainly in line with the times, you know. It's like everybody was dressing this way. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah I think they look cool. They're not over glitzed at this point. They're not that Asylum era yet. They're still rock and roll. You know, Motley Crue shout at the devil a little bit looking. Eric looks cool as can be. Gene looks good. I think they look great. Yeah, Gene's definitely looking a lot better than he did in the Lick It Up video. The uh, yeah. initial salvo out of the makeup was shocking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, he talks about it was an awkward transition for him. He didn't quite know what to do, you know, looks-wise, being out of costume. Yeah, I like to... Eric sings a lot on this. The stage is cool as well. See, this is when Kiss was having kind of a, a, a little bit of a resurgence after the, the barren years and look it up kind of got them back on the map. But I think heavens on fire was such a big hit. They actually had some money for this. The, the, the stage floor is actually really cool, which was something that eighties bands did quite often. Yeah. You could see that they're hungry in this video too. They're on fire. They're, they're oh, tight. Yeah. You know, I think what this was recorded in December, I think the tour started maybe in September. So they're on fire at this point. They're, they're firing all, all cylinders and, you know they're hungry at this point. They want to be the top of the top of the world again. Yeah, they had something and, to prove. And yeah. uh, I think uh, you know the new guy on lead guitar is bringing some energy. You know I think they put the Mark St. John debacle behind them finally. Well, and, uh, and you could throw Vinnie Vincent in there too. And let's even let's be honest with the last few years of Ace, they finally have a guitar player that they can trust. That yeah. is, is the style of guitar player that they should have. You know that more of a bluesy rock. 
straightforward player than some kind of a shredder, although Bruce can do that too. Actually, uh, Joey joined us this year on the Jericho Cruise to play this song, didn't you, Joey? I did, and if you listen back, I do most of Eric Carr's licks on it. I don't do the the hi-hat pattern that Peter does on the choruses and stuff. I do all of Eric's crazy Tom stuff. I just That's what I grew up learning. Yeah, you definitely played the Eric Carr version for sure. <laughs> Absolutely. And you sang, I tell you, you sang this, Frank. Yes, yeah. I, I, I sang the Frank version of this. <laughs> Which wasn't Dude, good. it was killer. <laughs> killer. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I was going to say, one thing I definitely miss about uh, the old Kiss is the, the logo sign, you know, because uh, it, it sounds like kind of just a insignificant detail. But I love how they switched, you know, from the early makeup days where they had like the the filled in sign and then they went to the outline like like it is. <clears throat> and then when they did the reunion, they went back to the filled in version. I was like, I like right. the outline version. And then they had that crazy nights version, which was like, you know, my God, maybe a hundred feet tall is crazy. So it was big, the outline, right? the outline version with park hands in the middle. <laughs> yes. I, I think I remember as a kid that I thought they should actually make an, a stage like the actual stage was the kiss logo. Like, like if you were looking down on it, you could see that. Yes. The, the stage was shaped in the, in the shape of the kiss logo, like, and, and, but with like the space missing between, you know, like, um, like one of them would stand on the K and one of them would stand oh. on the K, like for the entire show. <laughs> that would be cool. I like that. My now, would, you, old would you put uh, audience members in those open spaces, kind of like Metallica did with the, uh, I can't remember what Snake they pit. called it. Snake pit. Snake yeah. Pit, yeah. Yeah, that would be cool. That was that what my cool. that was what my fourteen year old mind was coming up with. Here's one thing that you know. Oh, here's Paul. You ever notice? You ever notice? Everybody likes to get a little crazy at night. I actually used to have the little bone earring. Yeah, I think the daytime is fine time, but the nighttime is the <laughs> right time. Now here's a little song for all those people like to get a little. Fucked up. Woo! He said fuck. This one's called Creatures of the Night. The thrash the, version. This is the era where Kiss was swearing, too. Listen, It got even worse. Is it swearing? Yeah, like in the later tours in like 87 and 88, Paul was just like... Yeah, like swearing it up. Well, left I remember, and right. when, and this on this show, he held up a, a, a Michael Jackson doll, and he said, "Look at this thing; it's anatomically correct because it had no dick." <laughs> and I, I also remember you saying, "Like fuck Duran Duran or something like." These a bunch of posers, so he was he was jumping on the bandwagon of uh, metal versus posers for sure. Yeah, well, like I, I remember seeing videos of like uh, maybe even like the Crazy Nights tour or a tour after that where he was. Instead of saying you people, he'd say you motherfuckers. And it's just like, wow, man, that's like, that doesn't sound like them, you know? Yeah, yeah, they were trying. They were trying so hard. Now, when I was growing up, I had no idea that this was overdubbed. Is, did you guys know that when you were watching this it as a overdubbed? kid? Yeah, there's a lot of like crazy overdubs. If you watch really closely, now that I'm an adult and I, I'm a musician, I can see all this stuff. There's so many times where Paul's away from the microphone and you hear him singing. There's, there's crazy overdubs to this. Well, that's never a surprise. They've never shied away from that. They've always admitted that the live isn't exactly live. You know? Right. Especially I, never, I never really noticed that that much. I always thought it was a pretty raw performance. It didn't, there's it, a lot. 
Yeah, it it didn't sound it to me. I, I I don't. I mean, I don't doubt it, but it it always sounded pretty raw to me. Um, has anybody noticed when Paul's got his left hand on the microphone when he's talking, he has a boo boo on his forearm? Did anybody notice that? No. <laughs> <laughs> what kind of boo boo? It's like a little scrape. He's got like look at his left forearm when he's got it up on the mic when he's talking. He has a little he has a little boo boo on his arm. Frank just took this to a new level. <laughs> I don't call him the idiot savant of Fozzie for nothing. I, I notice things. You'll see it next time he's talking. <laughs> and it'll bother him for the rest of the night. <laughs> Please point it out next time. I have to see this because I'm telling you, I've seen this video minimum a thousand times. So I have, I've never noticed that. Yeah, just um, it's like a little scrape when he's, uh, when he's grabbing the mic with his left hand. Just look at his forearm. There's a little scrape on his forearm. <laughs> Chris, you got an observation? I was just going to say, I don't know if there's going to be any more opportunities in this song, but um, every time they switch back to Gene when he was doing backing vocals, it, he had that uh, somebody farted look on his face. <laughs> so, oh, here's where Paul goes they, down on his knees. Yeah. Here's the one thing you'll notice about this. There's a lot of kicks from Gene and Paul, and there's a lot of pointing from Gene and Paul, which I use to this day. And there's a lot of turning around and shaking their asses at the crowd uh, during solos and stuff. You'll see a lot of these things. Paul it looks was the cool 80s. as hell right there, man. Pulling the microphone stand down. What a star child. <laughs> hey, there it is. That's a little it. bit of that, uh, that look on his face. He sings super high too, man. I think he goes yeah, super there's... high here. Check this one out. Oh, we missed it. The, the, the missed, higher one earlier, yeah. We missed the super high one. There's, there's plenty more coming. <clears throat> and I, I love the camera work, too. Some videos today, they have these crazy fast cuts all the time. Right. This, this breathes just enough mm -hmm. that I can watch it. It feels like a live concert rather than this crazy edit. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also, 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. We got to the hotel this afternoon. Now, you know what hotel we're staying at, don't you? The only one that'll let us stay. It's the only hotel that'll let us stay. You see it? Anyway, we got there this afternoon. We go walking into the lobby. This girl comes walking over to me and she says, I'm looking for Gene. <laughs> <laughs> now, now, I say, what? She says, I'm looking for Gene. I said, Gene's over there. She says... Well, there's the man with the tongue. Look at Chris, guys. Look at Chris's reaction. <laughs> wait, wait, listen, listen. Excuse me, but I want you to meet your little child. No, it's not my child. <laughs> now look at this girl. I say, sweetheart, not only isn't that his little baby, but he's never seen you before in his life. I like that Paul sticks up for him. Detroit, let me tell you something just between you and me. 
That baby had the longest fucking tongue I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> He's never seen you before in his life. Now here's a little song about getting into trouble and loving it. This one's called... Here comes. Fits like a clown. <laughs> <laughs> there is so much to uh, talk about here. I'm going to turn the music I mean. down. Um, first of all, Chris, what do you think about the uh, the use of illegitimate bastard child humor as the basis <laughs> for a joke? Well, like I, I think we kind of saw in this video there, Gene wasn't really taking it so much as a joke. It hit a little too close to home for him that that could be possible. I think he was ready to uh, call his lawyer at that point. But, uh, I just love the cheesiness of that baby had the longest tongue in his life, and we were all just like, yes! Illegitimate <laughs> babies are funny! Yeah, and now as adults, we're like, that's not funny. Yeah. And of course, the classic Paul Stanley uh, finger suck, which is just a, a standard from this era. Anyone see this tour live? Did they do that rap every night? I saw, I, didn't I, see did, this I, tour. I saw this tour, and like I said, this is the one with the Duran Duran, I remember, and I remember the Michael Jackson. At this point in time, I can't remember if I heard it live or not because I've seen this so many right. times. I'm, I'm sure they use pretty much the same same ones. Did you see this gig, Frank? I actually didn't. I saw Lick It Up, but I didn't see this one. How about you, Chris? What was your first Kiss experience? You know, well, my first Kiss experience was uh, 2000 on the oh, first what? Farewell Tour. Yeah, what? First, time, first time I saw him live. You're Holy! A, you're more of a Nugent guy and that sort of stuff, right? Um. Well, as, like I said, my concert uh, my concert career started with Van Halen. So uh, soon cool. after that, it was Rush and bands of that ilk. Um, you know, by '79, I had kind of jumped off the. Uh, Kiss train when uh, Van Halen two and Highway to Hell came up that year. And kinda... of, you were the same on that, weren't you, Frank? I'm sorry, what? You, you kind of dropped off the Kiss train in seventy eight, seventy nine as well, didn't you? No, it was later. Uh, I was still on board through. I mean, I actually was like looking forward to and bought the Elder as soon as it came out, and I actually really liked the Elder. And then um, I kind of started to believe it or not. I think it was like after Lick It Up. And after they took the makeup off, I started to lose interest somewhat. But that was more just because I started to discover. I had already discovered ACDC and Van Halen and other bands. But I just got more involved in, like, what was, like, new and hot in, you know, the early 80s. You know, the Motley Crue and um, and stuff like that. And so, I mean, I still liked Kiss. But I wasn't the Kiss, like, obsessed kid that I was when I was 10 years old and going to see them for my first concert in 1977. So, who was your first uh, Kiss concert, Joey? Nineteen seventy-nine. I was five years old. Dynasty tour, Madison Square Garden. But, I mean, it's why I'm here today. It's it's everything I base my whole life on. And you can read about it and start with a dream. Number Hold one on. selling book uh, available <laughs> yeah, now. Plug that book. Wherever plug books that are book. sold. <laughs> and by the way, Joey's not just an author. He has played on Broadway and plays with Trickster and Eric Martin Band and ZO2 and. ZO2 actually toured with Kiss. Did you ever bring this up to Paul and Gene when you toured with them, Joey? Uh, that's a good... Um, I think I, I was talking to Gene about it one day that I, that I was five years old, and he was like, well, what did you, what did you think back then? I was like, I, I don't even remember. I, don't, I barely remember it. I mean, 
you know, I was a five-year-old kid eating a hot dog in Madison Square Garden. I, I didn't <laughs> even understand what I was watching. You know, I had such crappy seats. I didn't even, I couldn't barely see you guys. And he's like, well, you know, you know, we, 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 we were very big at that point. It was hard to get good tickets. <laughs> Some classic kiss choreography there dating back to the Sean Delaney days. Well, boy, I'd love to be able to tell them about my first kiss experience because I was 10. So I was I was young, but I, I could kind of comprehend what was going on. And it was pretty life changing for me. Hey, you know, Joey, there's footage of that concert on YouTube. I've seen it. No, right. I know. I know. Yeah, I have it. Absolutely. There's even like a news clip of it and there's some backstage stuff. Yeah. I, I, again, even though I, you know, I was I was a little kid, I don't remember that much. But the impression it made on me, I remember like it was yesterday. It was, you know, life altering. When I saw Peter's. Oh. Ball's back. Hold on. Hold that thought. Oh, it's not. OK, go back. We saw Peter's what? When I saw Peter's. Whoa, whoa. That was a bad spot to stop. When I. When, when I saw his drum kit rise into the air, you know, it, it literally changed my life. I wanted drums that Christmas, five years old. My parents bought me this little toy, Toys R Us drum kit. And, you know, the rest is history. There's <laughs> one guy in the crowd here who looks like the wolf man. He's got giant hair. This crowd is just going nuts, by the way. It's awesome. There's a lot of mustaches in the crowd, too, that I've noticed. That's like, the wolf man there right he there. is. There he is, right? Yeah, you'll see that guy about 15 times. Right. Throughout the show. Yeah, he gets a lot of camera time. Because he's so f***ed up. <laughs> well, see, this place that's, is like that's, a damn zoo. That's one of the things about going to a concert these days and going to a concert back then. You know, you went to a concert in the 80s. Um, it was it was like an experience you couldn't capture. You had to, you had to experience it because you weren't going to be able to just go back and look at it on your phone later. You're right, so, exactly. You had to watch it. And also, too, you didn't know it was coming up. You didn't know what the set list was. And no, now it's right. like, you know, like Paul says, I know that one. Or like, oh, there is the finger suck again in slow motion. <laughs> but you didn't know it was coming next. And you were super involved and you would show up for the first band and you'd stay till the end. You wouldn't leave to beat the traffic. That's how it was. Right. Yeah. And concerts just had so much more energy back then. I mean, look at uh, it, it, sorry to interrupt, but look at Paul's Ibanez, that Iceman is so killer in this. And then Gene's Axe Base is great, too. Continue, Frank. Oh, just, you know. Just, just saying, when you watch an '80s hard rock or metal crowd, it just the difference between then and today is just is just like it's night and day, you know. Because just there was just so much energy. It was such a special experience to see a concert back then. You know, you waited for months, and then it's like this is your chance. It's this or nothing, and you had to be invested in it. Yeah. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. That's awesome. Man. That's so awesome. He could get up there, that's for sure. This, yeah, he's just entering his peak years right now, I feel. But oh, yeah. also lots of panties on stage, Chris. Yeah, I, uh, 
I like the uh, the cheetah print going on there. It kind of matches Paul's PC <laughs> Rich and uh, some stuff that Eric's wearing. It's a nice, uh, ties everything together. The whole animalized motif. Is that actually yeah. a word, animalized, or did they make that up? Pretty sure they made that up. I always thought it was like some kind of a of a pseudonym for animal eyes. Like she's got animal eyes. <laughs> Time world. Paul's a talking mofo here. This song's about a girl who tries to be a real straight little good girl during the day. I like the girl winking right here. But it not this girl is bad. Oh. Song's called Thrilling. You like how they added the little sparkle in her. The little sparkle, of course. This is actually yeah, the first song that I ever learned on a drum set. Really? Fully, full out. Thrills in the Night, first song I ever fully played start to finish. And it's a weird song to learn, too, because it's like a weird beat. And it's the first song I ever fully played. That's cool. Now, did you did you bring that to your drum teacher and ask him to show it to you, <laughs> or did you teach yourself? No, I had my record next to my drum set, and I remember every time I used to hit the drums, the record would skip sometimes because it was too close to the drum set. <laughs> the bass drum would make the record skip. It was I would have, you know, 12 records piled up on on top of each other like this. <laughs> well, that's how you learn to play Odd Time. That's <laughs> true. <laughs> Did you guys ever hear the story that they made a video for this song, but it uh, was so bad that they just shelved it? it was... I've seen pictures of it. They have, like, suits on and stuff, right? Yeah, they have suits on and really bad ponytails, and it's like the Getty Lee ponytail where they still have the big bangs, but the ponytail in the back, so they just look like real, like, like really shitty Beatles haircuts. And they're all out of Listen, office working. You reach enough viewers. Try, somebody has that video. Try to get someone to post it somewhere. Come on, you See, bastard. I, Use your power. I heard that they made a video for that <laughs> and a video for the oath that both were kind of lost gems that are rumors that they're around, but no one ever actually saw them. So I don't know. I think they, they just quit doing it because they did make a video for this song, but they based it all on the on live clips from, from this, this gig. That eye video recently surfaced somewhere. That that, that was lost for you know oh, 30, yeah, 30 years. The yeah, right. With the, eye, that, that's right. That surfaced. That's online now. You could watch that with like the the Superman background Fortress and, and the, of the uh, yeah, yeah Fortress of Solitude background. Right. That's that's online wow. now. You could watch that. I got to look that up now. I hadn't heard anything about that. Yeah, it's out there. It's it's pretty weird. And the at the end of that video, the, the all the Kiss members get on someone's shoulders, and the crowd literally like. Carries them, them yeah. around. It's so weird. Yeah. You can just look that up on YouTube. I think so. I'll have I to check that out. It might be a lost treasure. I don't know if anybody actually has that. It's kind of like. No, a, yeah. I know the guy. I know the guys that purchased it, weirdly enough, which is, you know, my nerddom coming through. This is, Did really, this is a really cool solo coming up here, Chris. It's a Mark St. John, but Bruce does a great job with it. Let's just check it out. The slow mo. Hey, that, that was an almost a Steve Plunkett move in the uh, <laughs> turn up the radio. Yes! Wow. Steve That's Plunkett. a good reference. I well, like that. I don't want to. Really I don't want to open up a can of worms here, but uh, we have two people on this uh, podcast that are on uh, different uh, sides of the spectrum when it comes to Steve Plunkett. Whoa, 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 <laughs> Joey! What's Who's your side? on the other? 
My side is the positive side. One of the best songwriters ever in rock. Whoever has the other side, please leave immediately. Mr. L. <laughs> nice talking to you guys. I'll be uh, checking out now. Uh, I always just, hated Pot just, of Thunder. Just the, 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 the poodle wig was just too much for me, man. And then, and you know, um, almost... Uh, you know, redeemed himself with the slow motion leap off the drum riser directly <laughs> into the camera. But I don't know. I'm not talking video. I'm not talking video, Steve Plunkett. I'm, I'm talking audio, Steve Plunkett. Yeah, I, I can't get. I can't get past video, Steve Plunkett. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, there's a lot of slow motion jumps and and kicks and that sort of thing. Great version. I think that song's a little bit underrated. And Love so it. is this yeah. upcoming solo, which I think is very underrated, uh, especially if you're. Uh, is this is this Paul's? This has got to be. If it's a solo, it's got to be Paul's. It's Paul. This is one of the greatest solos of all time. That Paul now says he was doing this, taking the piss out of guitar solos, but uh, I don't think that's really the case. Well, let's let's watch. He's got to take his gloves off. Look at that. That Iceman. Awesome. Now, now, if I can nerd out on you as the only guitarist on this panel, yes. that's actually would be a BC Rich Warlock. Okay. Now, as the guitarist of this panel, tell me what you think of Paul's double-handed finger technique here. Um, you know, I see Paul taking the guitar solo on the first day of the new guy being in the band, and I'm almost... Almost getting a sense of a like a Newstead level of hazing. <laughs> I don't think they trusted like, him as the new guy that had never been seen really to command a solo on stage. It's yeah. true. Bruce is the only one that doesn't get a solo on this, right? I didn't realize right, yeah. that. Yeah. See, I, my attitude is if you hired the guy to be in the band, give him the solo. Give him the spotlight. Or have them come out and do something together, you know? Yeah, if, there if you that's go. The case. If you're worried about that, then have them... Oof. But what I what I always loved about the Kiss solos, <laughs> it's it it's not about the technique. Obviously, Paul is not a soloist. It's about the crowd. The crowd participation is killer. But here's I like this. Here's the Star Child here. He's just riffing. That's what he should do. Yeah, yeah. He's 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 kind of that you know, almost uh, Johnny Thunder style rhythm player. Yeah, you know, he's yeah. not a technician. You know, he's just a pure rock. He's like James Hetfield. When Hetfield gets a solo, yeah. it's super cool, melodic, and there's not a lot of them. It's like Paul's solo in Black Diamond. It's it's a great solo, and it's rare. But I think you commented on it uh, on one of our shows a couple weeks ago. But Paul's been doing these kind of quarantine solo mm -hmm. sessions. And he played, you know, what was it, Making Love, I yeah. think. It showed how he was playing it. I mean, that, that, that that's a, those are some killer guitar. Did you see that, Frank? Uh, yeah, I saw a little of that. I, 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 um, I think that's a really cool idea that he's just sitting there playing, you know, old Kiss riffs and uh, just, well, I was going to say giving people an idea of how it's done, but, you know, probably any average guitar player could figure it out. Their stuff was never all that technical, but, but once again, um, you can play it, but can you write it? Yeah, exactly. No, I mean, it's like, I was going to say, Paul should have just done a rhythm guitar solo spot on here. He shouldn't have, you know, 
he shouldn't have bothered with the whole finger tapping thing. Just rip out some riffs, you know? Uh, uh, been- and now he says he was just taking the piss, but it's like, <laughs> I would just own it. What the hell? But here's, yeah. his, look, here's, here's his solo. That's yeah, this is what he's solo yeah. right there. Yeah. That's this, 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 he's in his wheelhouse now. Yeah, the ability to command an audience. That's his solo. Yeah. One of the greatest of all time. Especially, I always say this, one of the greatest of all time, and maybe the best who ever did it wearing a guitar. Think Pro- about that. Yeah, true. Jagger and, and Bruce Dickinson and Freddie Mercury and all those guys, David Lee Roth, none of them wear a guitar for the show. That's right. right. And his guitar playing is so underrated, too. I mean, Agreed. if you listen to... <laughs> Creatures, Lick It Up, Animalize, all the rhythms on almost every song, you can hear it's Paul's chunk. All that exciter stuff, mm-hmm. all that stuff from Lick It Up, that's was, all Paul. That's just, not Mark St. John and Vinny. I was to, to No, No, No the other day, watching him play it live. That's a super hard song to play, and Paul's right there. He does the whole, obviously, the rhythm section during the solo, and he, he's, he's, he's a very underrated player for sure. Well, and you guys, I got it. We got a couple drummers on the panel. You know, I'll make an analogy. <laughs> but but I, let me make an analogy here. Um, you know, people listen to ACDC, and they're just like, "Oh, well, that's just that's just a basic drum beat." Right. But uh, there's those little nuances, the slight adjustments in timing, and just everything's well, perfect. Just the chemistry that, with the band, exactly. Yeah, you can't replicate that unless this- you're. This is a great riff right here. I love this riff. A little under the gun. And here's the band doing a little, once again, got the little choreography. I like that stuff. What a great set list, too. What a great set list. It really is. For a non-makeup set list, it's really good. It was early on when they didn't have a lot of non-makeup songs to play, but they still played a good selection. This was, I always thought this was kind of an underrated gem of theirs, this song. One of the reasons why? It's a Desmond no. Child joint. Oh, is it? Yeah, that's another reason why know. it's 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 so good. It's it's got that Desmond Child chorus to it. And How many songs I mean, do they play off Animalize? Do they play what is it three on yeah, what, three. Uh, Heaven's on Fire, Heavens, Under the Gun, Thrills, and Thrills? Yeah, yeah, those are the three. Which, by the way, Thrills is a Jean Beauvoir joint. <laughs> and if I believe, so, it might have been the first song I ever did with you, Beauvoir. Guys, Thunder. Yes. So I mean the, those two uh, songs uh, bookending Paul's solo. I mean that's pretty, pretty nice arrangement yeah. there. A little Beauvoir. <laughs> I saw Jean- a little Beauvoir makes everything. <laughs> <laughs> I saw Beauvoir uh, a couple of years ago backstage at Kiss. I saw it backstage before uh, Jean Beauvoir, and he looks exactly the same. Giant blonde mohawk, super long, and his face. He looked like he'd been, you know, abducted by a voodoo king because he looked exactly the same <laughs> as he did back that, in the 80s. Is that the plasmatics guy? I think it is, yeah. Beauvoir. Yeah. Bouvier. You see him dropping, I'm backstage at Kiss. I was backstage at Kiss. I, we hear what Whoopsie. you're saying. We know what you're doing. <laughs> backstage before, when I was at the Tonys, um, I played the Tonys a few years How's this look on camera? Is this okay? <laughs> yeah, please. Please, back up. Thank goodness we're not broadcasting that. Hold your book up instead, please. Pull, pull a Stevie Wonder and make it a talking book. They're the same size, the book and the nose. Look at Paul playing this riff. It's a good one. Yeah. You know, this would be a BC Rich Eagle with a uh, leopard or cheetah print on oh, it. Nice. I love that left-hand Eric high-tom thing, too, Frank. They're so cool, right? 
Yeah, as opposed to the hi hat or a cowbell. Right, right. He just hits the six inch tom. Uh, Paul, Paul, I like how he. I like Paul. I like how he's got so many toms. He has to have like a mismatched drum head on there because it was like. <laughs> right. <laughs> There's Paul playing with his ass to the crowd, and then Gene joins him. I think they're both doing it. And Paul, Paul, when I asked Paul about this, he goes, "Yeah, that's when I was spinning around the stage like a whirling dervish." <laughs> <laughs> whirling dervish. <laughs> His vocals I, I don't, too. This was never released on DVD, right? Was this ever re- uh, actually officially released? No, right? I don't think so. I know the VHS copies are still out there, but I don't think it was ever officially released, which is crazy. I have, right. I have a bootleg DVD version, but I don't think it was ever officially released by Kiss. I agree. Really? Yeah, the one I think it might have been on, beta on, beta on the bus, Frank, was one I got from Japan. What you say, Chris? I could, I could swear that I... Might have been on Betamax at one point. <laughs> well, I mean, it said the Kiss Company presents. You would think they would have, you know, done an official release. Right, maybe, maybe. I would assume maybe, maybe. MTV owns it. MTV. This is a film for an MTV concert. Maybe. Keith, so I would assume MTV owns it. Maybe Keefco has something to do with it. That I heard he was a real <laughs> son of a bitch. I always thought it was Kefco. You could be right. Well, it's spelled like Keith. <laughs> There's more dancing, ass dancing. <laughs> Well, nice pelvic thrust. A- ABF, Chris. Always be. F- <laughs> Always be. F- uh, so That's a young man's game, but I appreciate the sentiment. All right. So actually, we're going back to Kiss Analyzed Live Uncensored, and it's not quite drum solo time. It's actually time for War Machine. Eric looks so cool during these. I mean, he looks so. He just always has a cool look, no matter whatever picture you see him in, whatever video see him, you see him in. He always looks cool. He I looks like a drummer. I could be on the fence on this. I mean, I could be on the minority. To me, this is the, the classic Gene song from this era. It's not God of Thunder. It's War Machine from, from eight, early 80s, 70s Gene. I like this the best. It's a great song. Well, yeah, plus, uh, God of Thunder is technically a Paul song, right? That's a good point. So. That's true. And this is technically a Brian Adams song. Brian Adams, yeah, Jim down. Valance. Yeah. Is War Machine co-written by Brian Adams? I didn't know yeah, that. Yeah. Well, yeah. Brian Adams and Jim presented it to Gene, and Gene added an extra verse, and they said, well, it doesn't need an extra verse. He said, yes, it does, <laughs> and he gets Mean- the songwriting credit. <laughs> right, yeah. meaning I-, I want a songwriting credit. That's I'm right. going to add this. I'm going to add these three words right here, songwriting credit. Another uh, little-known factoid about this song, this was originally supposed to be the theme song for the Robin Hood remake, and then they decided on everything I do, I do it for you instead. (laughs) It's kind of a toss-up between Brian Adams' songs and... Mic drop, end of of show. Wow. (laughs) He just went with the ballad on that one. <laughs> Paul's all over the place in this one. He's he's in the camera. Is this this is the part with the bra, right, Frank? Is this yours? Yeah, the yeah. Yeah, we we got you got. We're gonna point this one out. Everyone has to be silent for for Chris L to see what happens. See, this is, is the other thing that uh, doesn't seem to be happening much in the rock scene. Is that, is there a lot of underwear flying at the stage these days anymore? I'll or? tell you what. Don't whenever we happen to get any type of pair, I don't care if it's a pair of granny drawers, I do hang them from the mic for a short period of time. <laughs> uh, but yeah. this, of course, was pre-COVID, so I don't know if you can do that anymore. <laughs> yeah, 
if that happened these days, you'd get a uh, a roadie with a, a pair of rubber gloves and <laughs> grab that, get it out of here. Now, I saw Paul putting Mr. The... K. Oh yeah, there it is. Is that a bra? That's a pair of undies. Okay, bad. everybody's wearing cheetah prints at this. What's well, the animalized okay. uh, uh, this motif, Chris? You gotta you gotta be in on it. Get with it, Chris. Yeah, that's why I wasn't at the show. I didn't have the proper uh, underwear. <laughs> I was still wearing the tidy, tidy whiteies. Bomb back in the day. Yeah, you could have drew it with a sharpie. You know, you could have just made that leopard print. See, now you tell me, Joey. Where were you <laughs> in 1984? I could have used this information. I'll help you out when, we, when we're in person. You wear the tidy whiteies. I'll draw it off of you. <laughs> Once again, uh, Paul and Gene. I always like a Paul and Gene singing the same mic. A very uh, Beatlesque thing to do. It's funny because Paul is a major germaphobe. When 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 I was on the road with them and we 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 jammed with them a couple times on soundcheck, and my singer Paulie Z, we would we would we were jamming on Love Gun one on. day. Oh, is this it? No. Okay, it's at the end. Okay, go Not ahead, yet. Joey. And uh, we were singing Love Gun and. Paul Paul grabs the mic to sing the chorus of Love Gun, and my singer Paulie Z grabs. Hold on, a second. hold that thought. Hold, hold that, hold that thought, Joey. Here's no. the best. Here's the, here's me and Frank love this part. Here. I think it's here. It is. When, when we show Paul again, or does the song starts again though? Doesn't it? No, they've already. No, there it is. Is it yours? I don't know. They're not mine. Yours? Are they yours? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> okay, so go ahead. So Paulie Z would do what? As Gene spits the fire here. He tried to sing backup with Paul Stanley, and Paul was like. Get, get away from me. <laughs> Your bre- he, he was like, he wanted no part of it. Are you sure he's a germaphobe because Paul Paulie Z is so annoying? <laughs> Either way, I wanted to I wanted to murder him on the spot. We're, we're jamming on Love Gun, and Paulie's blowing it as as we're, sing, we're singing the chorus. I want to kill him. <laughs> Here's another missing thing from the 80s, Chris. A good gong. Wow. I might have to do the gong thing. Hey, man. I, I, try and convince Eric's Ward hair. to stick one of those in the trailer, and uh, you got it. <laughs> Although, you know what? Further proof that uh, modern country is the new arena rock. I was watching a Dirks Bentley show the other day. Well, maybe not the other day. Maybe a longer period of time ago. Drummer at a gong. What's mm-hmm. up with that? Wow. Well, like you said, they've adapted the uh, they're the new rock and roll now. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm I'm convinced now. Yeah. So Eric's got the platform moving forward here, um, throwing down. Any uh, techniques you guys can talk about here, paradiddles or anything like that? <laughs> well, he, now he does, he's not doing anything like that. Everything's pretty straightforward, linear, you know, um, uh, one, one beat per limb. But it's still great because it's powerful and it's creative, you know. He's I think not, he might be he might be doing some diddles and stuff here. He might be some, doing some double, doubles right here, right? No, that's all. It's all sixteenth note. It's it's is it? um yeah, it it's triplets? all straight sixteenth notes. Uh, it's just the accents that uh, yeah. you know that give it that feel. Um, it's all it's all straightforward. You know, uh, no double strokes, no uh, no rudiments. But but they you know it's not necessary to do that in a in a solo like this because you're doing a a monster rock solo. You know. You're well, not trying to. That's the thing for me. Like when I go to, there's not a lot of drum solos anymore. But if you go see, you know, like Rush 
obviously the drum solo is the, the the middle part of the show. It's a highlight, but I'd rather you know I'd rather just see some guy just beating the shit out of his drums like Eric is doing. You know, I think that's cool enough for me. I don't need you know uh, the, the xylophones and the hanging yeah. chimes and 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 all that, the goat bones and all that sort of stuff. Well, Eric's soloing was always very primal. You know, it was it was all just. It was the kind of stuff that people could relate to. There was not, it wasn't overly technical. It was just the kind of drumming that, like, uh, the average person could understand, you know? And right. he always included this, this crowd participation part. Again, because when you're in the crowd and you hear these technical stuff going on, like Neil Peart's doing, you don't want to hear that stuff. You want to be included in what the drummer's doing. And, and he right. does it coming, coming up here. He includes the crowd a little bit, and and that to me makes the drum solo. Well, because he's also yeah. in Kiss. That's what Kiss does. You know, Gene will tell you it's not about how many notes you can play. It's you know how many notes you can play that will make people want to f- or whatever the hell he says. <laughs> Something well, I, along those lines, yes. One <laughs> of the smartest things I ever heard Gene say was talking about people playing overly technically. He said it's like watching somebody who can type a thousand words a minute. It's like it's impressive and interesting, but it doesn't move you. Who cares? You know, right? I've never known anybody that's a, that works a typewriter that moved me, if the, even if they were typing slowly, though. Yeah, I mean, you could watch the world's <laughs> fastest typist, and you'd go, "Wow, that's impressive," and that's about it. Well, you could watch the world's slowest typist and say the same freaking thing. Who cares? <laughs> <laughs> All right, here's where he brings the crowd in. It's perfect. Joey, did you ever wear a, uh, a full-length leopard-skin spandex bodysuit? It's funny you should ask. It, I actually posted a picture on Instagram the other day. My daughter has her full leopard outfit on, and she's she just started playing drums. She loves all this stuff. She's on my big double bass Eric Carr kit, and I have her side-by-side. Side. It looks exactly like the outfit Eric's wearing. That's great. It's insane. It sounds like an Instagram photo to me. <laughs> it is. <laughs> I think uh, Paul's coming back out here. He's got. He's got. This is one of the best lines of here the video right here. <laughs> Well, I should actually say there's a lot of girls who feel like they want to take Eric home and mother him. You should do this to Frank every night, Chris. <laughs> well, I'll tell you something. He may look like a little boy, but he's built like a man. <laughs> I don't know. That would make he's me feel strange to hear Chris talking about how built like a man. Oh, would be great. <laughs> wasted. Well, and then we could do a cover of Young and Wasted, and it would work. Not to uh, drop names again, but I, when you sent me that this was the 35th anniversary, Joey, I sent it to Paul, because uh, Paul always says, the only time I ever know there's any anniversaries is when you send me stuff. So I sent it to him, <laughs> and he goes, 35 years ago, that's impossible. That, that means I was five years old when we recorded it. And I said, well, to paraphrase yourself, you looked like a little boy, but you were built like a man. <laughs> And then he sent me an emoji back of your, you know, you do the emojis of your face to record your voice. And he just went, what a dope. (laughs) I was like, is he talking about his stage rap or is he talking about me? (laughs) What a dope. I'm going to go for option B. Uh, It's actually pretty cool. Joey was talking about his uh, son and daughter playing drums. They did a, a video of all three of them playing I Was Made for Loving You. Uh, all in perfect unison. It was great. And how old's your daughter and son? 
my son's five and my daughter's 10. Yeah, my daughter's killing already. Yeah. My son literally, and, I, and I've really never showed them anything. They just pick up the rhythms. We start playing. I have three drum sets set up in my studio, and we just jam, That's especially cool. during the quarantine now. We're going crazy. We love it. There's another uh, bra hanging from Gene's uh, gu- guitar. And there's one of Paul's too. Do you, Chris? Let me ask you this: You've been in, in, in. You worked for Playboy for a long time. You've been in the rock business. You think there was planted uh, roadies with boxes of underwear just throwing them on stage? Uh, it could be. I mean, I know for a fact that uh, for the um, Paul's um, "Live to Win" concert. Uh, a video of one last kiss or one live kiss. yeah one live kiss yeah or he did it with the uh rock uh, the rock star band the tv right. show yep. band. all those hot <laughs> chicks in the front were plants from uh from uh playboy connections because that was at the chicago house of blues so were you involved with uh helping uh, wrangle them I was not involved, and I did not go to that show. That's probably my biggest concert mistake of all time. <laughs> Andy and Nick went, and uh, that now that's a great set with great that set, band yes. behind them. You know, once again, we should mention too that of course they're doing "Young and Wasted," um, and this is Eric singing the song, even though on album it's Gene that uh, that sings it. So again, living Eric a little spotlight there. I remember the first time that I saw this video. Again, this is really the very first time anyone has ever heard Eric sing, if you really think about it. Obviously, backing vocals and stuff, but on this video, this is the first time you hear Eric sing in his voice. And I immediately ran to the Lick It Up record and put it on. And I said, wow, I I never knew Eric sang this song. And I had no idea. Even even listening back, I didn't know if it was Gene or Eric. I, I didn't know if Eric actually sang this on the Lick It Up record. Well, they actually did that on the Lick It Up tour as well. They did Young and Wasted with Eric singing. And when I saw Eric singing it, I was, I was confused. I was like, I thought Gene sang that, but I guess, he, I, guess I was wrong. Right. I got to love, like, the kiss never subtle. It's not like, let's make it look like there's some random bras. Like, every microphone stand has a bra <laughs> hanging from it. They don't care. The people of Detroit are so excited. They're just throwing everything on stage. Uh, that's not unusual in Detroit Rock City. The the chicks there are fun-loving rocker chicks, especially back in the '80s. And uh, so I don't know if it was uh, plants or organic behavior, but uh, either way, it's freaking cool. And I love the choreography. Yeah. And this stage is great too, with the platforms and the stairs all behind there. I mean, this, this is great because there was a few show, a few tours after this Crazy Nights tour where they couldn't afford anything. Like here, they're 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 back back in business again here. Well, you can't go wrong with chrome staging, man. That's right. I actually want. I asked Paul if he still had that guitar, that animalized. Uh, is it a BC Rich, Chris? Yeah. And he said that he 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 doesn't have it, and he'd also gotten a paint job over it for the animalized or for the Asylum tour. Oh my like, God! Oh, really? So I, I was like, I'll buy that from you. Probably would have charged me a hundred thousand dollars, but ah. um, yeah, they painted over it with with the asylum stuff. Have you ever seen awesome. the asylum, uh, the uh, animalized stage from the European version? It was the, of the animalized tour. tour. It was the look it up stage, wasn't it? Or well, it, no, it was. Creatures? It was all like, it was the animalized European tour before this one, and all the stage is covered in like fur. Oh yeah, 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 and, <laughs> and like there's fur. There's like animal heads protruding from the front of Eric's drone. It's horrible. Yeah, it Eric, has, Eric has two giant panther heads. 
Yeah. There's a video of it. There's a uh, picture of it somewhere online. Big giant panther heads sticking out of his bass drums. They look crazy. All right, let's it, talk. The, with, let's talk about Gene's solo here. Um, once again, this is a good solo. It, it's 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 funky. It's tasty, and this is Gene as a bass player, man. He's 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 really good. He's one of the greatest of all time. I really believe that. Well, it's it's odd. Like, I I think is this like one of the only times that Gene actually did like an actual solo yeah. where he's like playing yeah. bass as opposed to like making noise and spitting blood. Yeah, he, he This was the time where everybody had to take a solo. You know why? Because that's what Van Halen did, right? Mm-hmm. Gene's bass playing, I really think, is the most underrated thing of Kiss. When, when we yeah. toured with them, his yes. sound alone, when mm-hmm. I was on stage and I heard him sound checking, the sound that comes out of his bass almost doesn't even sound like a bass. I've played with hundreds of bass players in my life. And the sound that he gets from his bass is this crazy electric distorted sound that if you really analyze it, it's the sound of original Kiss. It's it's the it's the basic structure of those first six albums that Kiss did. You know, minus yeah. the live albums, of and course. I think it's cool too. Here, he's got a drummer involved. It's 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 like Lars with Cliff and Anesthesia. Like I think if you're gonna do a bass solo, do it with your drummer. You know, mm. great. Yeah, I've I've often thought that Gene was a very underrated bass player. Yeah, when we when we uh, did that Kiss Cruise and they did a live in its entirety, I watched him play the songs and he does he plays against the root note and he's always got little fills in there and stuff and he's he's just a genius. Well, the funny thing is, is like when you listen to some of the '80s records, you can hear that he's missing on those records. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because yeah, right. he when you know in all the '70s uh, Kiss stuff, he's walking the dog all over the Constantly. place with his bass lines. He's constantly mm-hmm. walking around with him. He doesn't just play, you know, like lay down like the 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 foundation. He's he's playing around what's going on, and not, that ha- that doesn't happen at all in those '80s Kiss records. It's probably so, too you know, if if he wasn't there to stand up for himself. I'm sure it was the producers, those Ron Nevisons and those type of guys that were getting that were saying we don't want that. We want pop metal bass lines, and he wasn't there to play them. So they're like, just do it, Bruce. You know, here's Whirling yeah. Dervish, Paul. <laughs> The fringes on his pants look great. Come that on. helps. That makes a big difference. There's Wolfman. Wolfman's there he loving is. it. <laughs> we, we hadn't seen him in a while. Wolfman's doing the thing, too, uh, where he doesn't really know the lyrics, but he kind of Find up, cinema, school's on. Somebody who's watching this, please give me a tally on how many times you see the Wolfman. Take a shot whenever you see the Wolfman. And whenever, oh, that'd be a great game. And whenever there's a panty or a bra on stage. There's one right there. Take a shot. There's two of them. <laughs> These chicks are wild, Chris. Funny thing is, is whenever they, for you. whenever they pan the crowd, it's a sausage party, man. You only see like one or two girls actually out in the crowd. Chris, I heard most of the girls from in this gig are from Joylet. Yeah, that would be a little west, but they, they they wouldn't be opposed to making the trip. We love playing the was it the place in Joliet, Frank, that we played. It's a great room there. Oh um, yeah, um, what's it called, Chris? The Forge. The is Forge. It the Forge. Guys, yeah. people from Chicago don't call it Joliet; they call it Joylet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, but that's a cool. That's a really cool venue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a great. And so is Cobo uh, Hall, man, right here, famous. Uh, this is where they recorded alive, isn't it? Or one of the rooms that they recorded alive? Yeah. 
And I saw the uh, live 35 tour at Cobo. Okay. That was awesome. Bruce is doing good, man. He, he reminds me kind of a, of a Tommy Thayer type presence. He's got his moments. He's wearing those great kind of Livy Newton John, let's get physical, uh, animal eyes, <laughs> leg warmers, which look good. Co- I Cobo actually- Hall's not there anymore, though, is no, it? No, they tore it down. Yeah, I- so. I think I read somewhere that Diana Ross was backstage and she actually tied Bruce's boots for him right before he went out because he couldn't get the, t- the, the, the laces right. And Diana Ross, he, 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 was, he did an interview and she, he said that Diana Ross actually tied my laces for me because I couldn't get them right. <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> they call, Aretha was the, cre- uh, was the queen of soul and they used to say that Diana Ross was the queen of soul. S-O-L-E. She was really into shoes and stuff. <laughs> uh, they're rocking, man. You can't say they're not rocking. They're, they're enjoying themselves. Yeah, a lot, of, lot of energy in this show. That's what that's what that's my big takeaway from this is they're not phoning it in. No, definitely not. Lightest uh, capacity. They really uh, rose think, to it, pun intended, on this one. I think Paul and they're really tight. Yeah. Is he explaining what's going on right now? But the, the Wolfman's right and There's there. Wolfman, yeah. He's, oh, he's, yeah, you're he's, right. <laughs> there he rocking. is. That son of a bitch. He's probably still somewhere in Detroit. He's probably still we'll probably track him down. Oh. I'd love to hear from Wolfman right now. I'd say that we might should be go. Plan, we should go in search of Wolfman. Go <laughs> prowling around the streets of Detroit. Go looking for this guy. What's the question mark could, for? Do That's people do question. the banners anymore? Yeah, really. What's the Animal Eyes? <laughs> yeah, Kiss yeah, Animal right. Eyes tour. <laughs> <laughs> it was next to Vinnie Vincent, so Vinnie Vincent. Maybe they couldn't uh, figure out where, oh, where is he? Where'd he go? Why don't you guys they probably makeup? They unfurled that banner, and then they saw Vinnie Vincent's face on it with the question mark <laughs> and quickly tossed it aside. Edit that out. Yeah, edit that out. <laughs> I'm sure there was a that. lot of people at this gig that probably thought they were still wearing makeup and were surprised that they weren't. It's only it's only a year after they unmasked them. Look it up, right? Right. Uh, Does anybody know it, who the uh, opening act would have been for this show? I Not, think it was Queensryche at this time. I know Bon Jovi opened dates on this tour too, but I think Queensryche opened this leg. When I saw the gig, it was uh, uh, Dawkin that opened for them. Hmm. When I saw him on the Lick It Up tour, it was Pat Travers and Axe. Whoa, just fans. Axe. Axe, yeah. R- rock and roll party in the streets. <laughs> Lame. Um, I'm, just, re- I'm just looking through it right now. So Queensryche opened this show. And then when I saw them, uh, and then Crocus took over, and then Queensryche again. And then when I saw them in Canada and uh, – March 9th, 1985, Dawkin was the uh, was the opener there. So how were how was Dawkin when you saw him? Once again, back in those days, any concert that you went to was just the greatest thing ever. So I remember I really liked Dawkin because that was the Tooth and Nail record, which to me is by far their best. And uh, I thought it was a great what a great show, Kiss and Dawkin in 1985. I mean, it doesn't get any better than that from that time frame. Yeah, it's, it's just strange how there used to just be a headliner and an opener, and that yeah. was it. But they were both great bands. There was no, well, at least for us, we didn't get acts, but uh, <laughs> you know, it's okay. Can you, most bands. Can you believe I, 
most bands break up uh, and you never hear from them again. But the good thing about Axe is they uh, did break up, but then they transitioned to a very successful body spray. Uh, I, <laughs> I could see that one coming a mile away. I'm surprised you fact, didn't get it I wanted first, to make Chris. that joke myself. That's your forte. Does anybody remember that band? I, I remember Rock and Roll Shower, you said? Rock and Roll. <laughs> <laughs> they had a song called Rock and Roll Party in the Street. Oh, my gosh. Let's yeah. have a knockdown, drag out rock and roll party in the street. I actually saw that band open for somebody twice. I saw them open for Kiss. I saw them open for Cheap Trick. It's like, why do I keep seeing this band? <laughs> well, you don't have to worry about that anymore. <laughs> no, not anymore. I saw this weird band Trickster open for Kiss in, on the Revenge Tour. There you go. knows Absolutely. them really well. Absolutely. Uh, let me just go back and just say, Paul. this is Paul's vocal masterpiece. It's an unbelievable vocal performance, and uh, I never used to like this song when this, whenever this came on, because you'd watch this at a party, and you'd want, you know, up-tempo rock and roll, so when this came on, I never gave it the time of day, but as a singer now, it's, it's just such a great, uh, it's a great performance. I thought this was always one of your favorite Kiss songs. No, no, dude. I mean, even to this day, I mean, it might be my favorite Kiss song from Unplugged, because mm. of his vocal performance. <clears throat> Um, but not one of my favorites. I would never go through and go, dude, let's listen. I still love you. Yeah, this was this was never one of my favorite tunes. What I love about this song, it's the it's it's a power ballad before the, the staple power ballad right. became pop popular. So it didn't have the cookie cutter pa power ballad formula that everyone you know took in the mid '80s. This was before all of that, so it was still it was a ballad, but yet it was somehow still heavy. And this solo, Bruce is crushing it. I know that Vinny Vincent didn't play the solo on the record on this one, I'm sure. But he's, he's, he's crushing it there. Your thoughts on this one, Chris? Did you uh, give it a, 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 a hell or hallelujah when you guys did this? Oh, I'm a big fan of this. In fact, I think the, uh, I think the studio version is Paul's greatest vocal performance of all time. Wow, gives okay. Me gives me chills every time I hear it. That's saying a lot. Yeah. And I believe the guitarist who played on the studio version was Robin Ford. Ah, he was like yeah, a yeah. he was jazz in the mix there. kind of guy. But uh, I think he was the one who played on the studio version. Again, if you look at the set list, you're talking about lots of creature stuff, animalized stuff, lick it up stuff. It's really a crazy set list. If you look back at it, back in history. You know, there's not a lot of classics. There's a lot of new stuff going on right now. This there. is when they oh. were transitioning out of wanting to rely on their classics, which they did this until until the Hot in the Shade tour in 1990. So they, they about eight years of staying away from those tried and true right. classics and just sticking with mostly the modern era. Yeah, because they what have we heard so far? Did, uh, what have, what's that, Chris? They basically did five uh classics from the 70s and then the other 10 songs were all from uh you know creatures forward to that point so at the, so we heard detroit and we heard cold gin that's it right now right yeah you got black Up until, yeah wow that's crazy isn't it yeah hey that's that's uh that's pretty confident on their part you know to uh oh this is a good one chris you gotta hear this myself so i thought it was time to go to the doctor to get myself checked out you know what i'm talking about well, of course we know what he's talking about. I go walking into the doctor's office. 
I go walking in, I got my apartment for 10.30. I go walking in, it's about 10.15, you understand? I go walking in, and the doctor's not there yet, but I walk in, I see a nurse with the biggest tits I've seen in a long time. Now this girl's trying to be real cool, so I sit down, and I start reading my magazine. My magazine. Now she goes walking by me, she's trying to make believe that I'm not really there. She goes by me like this. I love that walk, I love it. I was in a Kiss tribute band, we used to do that every night, that walk. (laughs) Just in general. (laughs) (laughs) Might do that walk tomorrow. Just for the hell of it. I'll send you a beat to it so you can walk to it. There you go. There's a classic no. gif right there. <laughs> <laughs> He's doing the Ralph mouth. When- I was just going to get me to it. And I was like, the Ralph mouth hot tea making out with yourself. Why don't we start this examination just a little bit early? I said, all right. She says to me, Paul. Why don't you take off your shirt? And he does. <laughs> he says, okay. I'm, a, I'm 11, year, 11 years old watching this for the first time, and I'm losing my mind. This me is the best fucking guy in the history of the world. I agree. I was right there with you. He went to the doctor's office and took his shirt off and started strutting around. What? Why don't you take <laughs> off your pants? Fake's taking off his pants. Well done. <laughs> I look at this girl. I say, honey, I'm feeling just a little bit shy. So she looks at me. I'm wearing my Levi's, my 501s. You know those real tight ones? So she walks over. She bends down. And she undoes that little snap at the top. <laughs> oh, that's good. Then she reaches down just a little bit. She undoes the next one. She goes, next one. Here comes my she hand, she chips her hand out to make sure it's not too cold, and she sticks it down the front. And she pulls out. <laughs> and she says to me, Paul, what are you doing with that pistol down your pants? I said to her, honey, that ain't no pistol. What is it? What is it? All right, Chris, uh, before we go any further, tell us what you feel uh, that rates on the scale of amazing <laughs> intros to a song. I mean, that's, yeah, that's, that, first of all, that never happens to me at the doctor's office, you know. <laughs> really? Like, I show up and I sit in the waiting room for a half hour watching a you <laughs> run on the TV they got going on, and I go back and it's this, uh, fat old, uh, you know, Middle Eastern dude who's uh, pulling my pants. He, he, he never sticks his hand down the front? Oh, he does, you know. At, at, <laughs> at my age, that, that's needed, so, uh, but does he, yeah. does he say, is that a pistol in your pocket? <laughs> I love the fact that uh, 
He's wearing those <laughs> Levi's. You know, the real tight ones. It's like, oh, yeah, yeah, I know which ones. <laughs> yeah, remember which ones you're talking they, about. They, yeah, yeah. They were the uh, the shrink to fit 501s. Remember that? Oh, yeah. And you would, you would be guaranteed to display a, 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 mammal to, a mammal toe for sure with those ones. <laughs> You'd have the moose knuckle with those bad boys. With the button fly up front. Those, Next were the, one. those were the 80s jeans, man. Next one. I mean, listen, we can laugh at it all we want. It it flowed so perfectly. I don't know how they edited it or if it was just live like that, but that intro was so perfectly done. It's great. At the it time, was perfect. listen, who are they competing with at the time? David Lee Roth. I mean, basically, that's it. That's the guy on top, right? And Kiss ain't going to yep. be, you know, they're not going to be trying to complete, compete with Klaus Mein or, or whatever. They're going for the top of the top. <laughs> and Roth is the guy at this point in time. If they were competing with Klaus Mina, Paul would have a cowbell and a <laughs> yeah. tambourine. And, and, and a leather cap. <laughs> <laughs> Great solo coming from Bruce. The thing I love about Bruce Kulik is that he would play the root part of the solo and then go off on his own and then come back. He, he'd be mm. respectful to the lead, but he would never just copy it directly. He was the perfect balance. He had that blues feel like Ace had, but yet he still had that technique like he can shred. You know, the right. faster players back then, right? How fast? Yeah, he's is another this... one. Go ahead, he's another one who's doing. Uh, he's doing uh, uh, quarantine stuff where he's playing right. his solo parts, like a lot of Revenge and Carnival of Souls stuff. Have it's you seen Joey? Awesome. Yeah, of course. Great yeah, stuff. He, yeah. Oh, do you, great do you follow him on Instagram, great. Frank? Who's that? Bruce Kulik. You should follow uh, no. him. He's playing a lot of killer riffs from this era and solos and stuff. That guy's so good, man. Super underrated once again, much like Tommy Thayer, because his biggest sin is that he joined Kiss. So there's either people that understand how great he is or others that are just wishing that he was Ace. And it's like, I never wished he was Ace. I wished Ace was him. <laughs> he did Jungle the other day. The, the riff in Jungle, oh, yeah. him That's isolated, is Killer, I played. I played. I said that to Rich Ward. I'm like, dude, how how Ward esque is this? That's a total Rich Ward riff. Uh, and I think the Wolfman just threw his jacket in the air there. He's super excited. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. Scan the crowd. Where's the Wolfman? I thought I just saw the singer from Grim Reaper. Was that him? <laughs> no, that was Steve Plunkett. <laughs> <laughs> whoa, whoa! Don't you dare badmouth Steve Plunkett. All right, one last commercial break, and then we finish it out uninterrupted. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. All right, we're back to Kiss, Animalize, and Censored, and we're picking it up with Paul, and the song he said is about putting everything you can into your mouth. Oh, yeah. The song's called... Now, listen... Listen how... So much for being a germaphobe. I know. Listen how fast this tempo is. It's insane. Well, I mean, uh, uh, Love Gun was insanely fast. That's what they... Yeah. Well, it's like a lot of those... A lot of the 80s stuff. I mean, uh, Live After Death. That's true. 
Well, hey, this, even, uh, even Kiss itself, how much faster was Alive uh, alive from any of the studio records, you know? Even Alive 2, if you listen to Detroit Rock City on Alive 2, it's not much slower than this. It's a little bit slower. It's about 5 BPM slower, but yeah. it's not that much slower. Yeah, that's just the time. That's the way it was back then. You just play fast and, and then just go for it. Yeah, the only uh, bands you really hear getting on stage and playing slower are like the jam bands because they're so baked when they go out there. <laughs> it's like Government Mule is one. It's one of my favorite bands, but all their live albums are actually slower than the studio versions because they just they're baked out of their skulls before they go out there. So this song here <laughs> reminds me. Um, Lick It Up is so much better live to this day than the album. Just like Rock and Roll Night, just like I Want You to Want Me. Like I can't even hardly listen to the actual studio version because uh, the song is great, but the, the, the energy that they have in this is so much better with this version and all versions that they, that they do live now with uh, Won't Get Fooled Again in the middle of it and all the other stuff they do with it. Oh, right, yeah. Yeah, it's so cool. Paul's vocals are so high. Listen yeah. to his vocals. Well, and as we've talked about with uh, Chris on our show, um, he was on the rise at this point yes. vocally, hit his apex at Crazy yeah. Night with like My Way and stuff like that. So he is not yet at his prime at this point. He's but He's still he is getting, getting in complete control and power of his voice. You're right. 84 is where it starts, and it ended actually right about 2006 when he did that Live to Win tour. That's when you can start to hear some cracks coming in. But that's a 22-year run of being just one of the best singers, and not to mention all the time in the 70s where he was good. But yeah, more choreography. There's a lot of choreography here. There you go. Oh, more. this is great. Yeah. Isn't that a, some kind of autograph trick? <laughs> little Steve Lynch, right? That'd yes, be, that'd be yeah. like if Steve Lynch and Randy Rand played the solo together. Nice. Autograph references all over the place. Yes. I love it. <laughs> and then behind them, Steve Plunkett descending from the drum riser in slow motion <laughs> and sticking the landing to the point where his wig just kind of, you know. It goes forward and comes back. <laughs> And the drummer, the drummer with the big headband with the afro sticking on top of it, right? Kenny Richards. Yeah. I made a gif of that. I've sent it to Chris. I'll I send it to him again. I'll, I'll, I'll send it to all you guys. Hey, dude, I just you. asked you the other day to send it to me because I sent it to you, Joey. I said, I said, can you send me the plug <laughs> yeah, gif? Remember yeah, that, Chris? The plug it. <laughs> I, that's that's yeah, where I, I got it from. That. It was from Chris L. From this I, guy right here. I had to go on one of those gif makers and make that. <laughs> had to happen. <laughs> I posted something about autograph the other day and Steve Lynch replied and he was telling a story about how Van Halen's manager, when they toured with them in 84, they opened for them in 84 and yeah. Van Halen's manager came up to him and said, you're not allowed to do any finger tapping at all the rest of the tour. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's a true story. He responded. He's like, yeah, that's a true story. Wow. Didn't you also say that he said that Paul wanted him to be in Kiss? After, uh, yeah. oh, look at Ian's there <laughs> just for a second. Say hi. Hi. All right. <laughs> <laughs> All yeah. Right. Steve Lynch said that, that Paul approached him after Vinny left and wanted him to be 
the new replacement, but Autograph just signed a three-record deal with RCA, and he had to turn it down. How many guys have said that over the years? <laughs> well, first of all, if 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 you're gonna if you can be in a band with Paul Stanley or Steve Plunkett, you're gonna pick Steve Plunkett ten times out of ten. I mean, that's really what it comes down to. Now, here's another super fast version uh, for Black Diamond here, and another Eric Carr vocal showcase. Yeah. Is this are we on Black Diamond already? Yeah, dude, we just flew through this thing. Wow. Those up-tempo 80s uh, renditions yeah. go, go by. It's very straight ahead. Yeah, they could put they could put 20 songs in a set that, you know. That's right. Instead of 14. This song is deceptively high, too. I, again, I was yes. in a Kiss tribute band for years, so I did Black Diamond every night. And this song, at this speed, which, which is what we did it at, at the high level that, that Eric is playing it at, and, and the vocals so high, it's so difficult what he's doing, you don't even realize. Mm. Yeah, I mean, you, you got to have some wind to deliver this vocal. And once this. again, we talk a lot about Paul, but the guy who's never changed to this day, I just saw them before the world went nuts on May 2nd, sorry, March 2nd. Gene, that guy has never changed. He's been a great singer then. He's a great singer now. Yeah, Gene's got an amazing voice. and He does. Because he... He's never had to use it as much as Paul, so yeah. he's been able to preserve it. Well, uh, there's Paul's solo right there. Continues. He, he uses it, Frank, but mostly I find he's never really left his range. He did a little bit in the 80s, but they don't do any of those songs live. So the songs right. he did in the 70s, it's much like Mick Jagger. That's why Mick still sounds great on everything, because he never left his range. McCartney yeah. did, and Paul did. They, they, they raised the barrier, which is awesome, but when you get <coughs> 60s and 70s, it's harder to sing like that. Yeah, Gene actually has a fairly high range too. I he mean, does, he yeah. uh, if you listen to his solo record, he does that that song uh uh nowhere uh what's it called? Help me help me Chris. What's that song on Gene's solo record? Uh it's like a hyphen it's That's, hyphen uh, something. Uh, living in sin oh, at the Holiday Inn. Um <laughs> nowhere to hide. Oh, nowhere to hide. Um What's the other part? Like the, it's, it's it. like Hold a on. double title. Focus in what's going on right now, and I'll get okay. it right now. I'm going to. But let's look at the, the Kiss's stage setup here with some pretty cool uh, tricks. It's always near you, nowhere to hide. Always near you. Yes. I like he how they run up the. I like how they run. They run up the stairs here, basically just to come down again. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But it is cool, though. And you're right, Frank, because there's, there's songs in the 80s where he just, I, no, no, no is high. They're all high. So, Yeah. But it's, he's just not as known for that range as much as Paul is. Right. And he didn't do the between song banter. banter. And, and he probably had, you know, like a lead vocal, one lead vocal during a show for Paul's two. Two, right. You know. I remember seeing this. They did this in Winnipeg. I remember just once again, they run up the steps and then they just come down and it's like, that's pretty cool, man. And then they just get off and run back down again. There you go. <laughs> There's really no reason for that whatsoever. Uh, yeah, but this, this part right here musically is so killer. They, they descend on this, right? Yeah, they, yes. they come down on the platform right here, right? But they ran somewhere else, though. They ran off one thing into another thing. But I guess they, maybe they just... I, I always thought, production-wise, I always thought this uh, was a little anticlimactic, the way the thing lowers down. They, they step off of it and go... Bam, in the song, and it's like, okay. Well, that's my point. This is the production. This is it. They, they, they ran up there, and now they're 
coming down on a very coming slow back down again. elevator. <laughs> yeah, I'm guessing the wolf man was a little underwhelmed by this show. <laughs> yeah, he, uh, he demanded his money back at the end of it. I would guess I know the wolf man is so off his rocker high that he probably doesn't even realize what's going on anymore. He's probably gotten three blowjobs already up to this point. <laughs> for, for for anyone for who's watching weed. this, I'm going to be selling Wolfman T-shirts, you know, on my on my website. After we got to get a great high res uh, picture of Wolf uh, for screenshot of the Wolfman. <laughs> <laughs> they can do anything these days. Take it to the to Interpol, the CIA. They it. can zoom in. Yeah, You're right. This this walk now. off the platform is so like anticlimactic. You're right. Yeah. It, Lowers down and the music just kind of stops. We love you! We love you! Rockin'! That's full voice, too, I think, right? Yeah. Yeah. In uh, our Fozzie shows at the end maybe, of the maybe, set, maybe. I always jump on a ri- off the riser. Before that, I always say, Rock and roll! Another Plunkett uh, nod to Plunkett there. This is. I'm going to call this "Kiss Animalize Uncensored" nod to Plunkett. <laughs> I was I was going to say when we talked about doing this, I never would have imagined as many Steve Plunkett records. <laughs> you just never been. know where we're going to go, Frank. It's this a is what you fact get. That Kiss, Kiss ripped off autograph in these years. Is it true? <laughs> Next, we'll do a, a watch along of the autograph live DVD. Oh wait, there is. I'm one. in. Yeah. Wait, what? What? I, we need another shot of the Wolfman for our T-shirt. There has to he's be in there somewhere. He's got to be in there. He, I think Wolfman's kind of... I feel he's <laughs> controlling the mob. The mob mentality dictates that Wolfman... He's like if he's the hive leader. That's a great picture right there. I also feel like the audience maybe wasn't sold out, and they just, for the camera, they just kept moving the Wolfman around. They kept moving the same <laughs> cra- group right around to try to get a good crowd shot. That's why we've seen them so many times. Yeah. Well, you can kind of tell that this is like a half-house setup in the... Well, <laughs> you think? Well, yeah. here's the thing with Cobo Hall is that the, the, the way the room is constructed, it's actually a half arena. So. Oh, really? Like the so, yeah. The stage is kind of you know, basically you go in there and it's like a half. Is that the Wolfman on stage? No, it's somebody else. Get the camera off. Get the meanwhile some roadies just bludgeoning poor Wolfman right now. <laughs> <laughs> we ha- can can that be the mission? Can we find the Wolfman, please? Is that next a possibility? Time, next you know what? It's only Fozzie right now. Plays Detroit. You guys got to put the word out. Say, are you this guy in the animalized video? Wow. That's why we have to get a good screenshot of him. <laughs> this, is, this is super fast, too. So, uh, yeah, Chris, Cobo. Yes. Cobo, Cobo Hall. It's like a like half a, horseshoe. It wasn't like uh, a typical basketball or hockey arena type thing? No, it, it was like a, a basketball or uh, hockey arena cut in half. <laughs> The uh, really? behind the stage, on either side was a was a wall. There was wow behind it. So, so it was the, more like a big theater almost. Yeah, and the capacity was like twelve thousand, I think. Wow, and, okay. uh, great great place to see a show. Absolutely. Well, actually, that that makes sense now that I think about it because I've seen a um, footage of Kiss playing Cobo Hall from like nineteen seventy five. That's just like a single camera 
shot, like a, I think it's a fan shot thing. And um, I think I remember seeing that it looked like there was a wall behind him. And I thought that was kind of odd because I thought it was a typical arena. No, it was uh, that was it. It was like a half half bowl arena. Really cool place. Which wow. is apropos because, you know, a lot of guys are smoking a lot of half bowls. In the crowd <laughs> they were smoking right now. a lot of full bowls. <laughs> Yeah, they smoke full poles. Troy, question. Chris, did you see a lot of shows at Coba Hall growing up in Detroit? Uh, well, I saw Van Halen, and I saw uh, made the Detroit rocker pilgrimage to see uh, Bob Seeger there. He played like a 10-show run at Cobo. Because there were bigger arenas then. You know, Joe Louis Arena, you could fit like 18,000 people. He played the smaller Cobo Hall. That's where Live Bullet, a lot of that is recorded. Gotcha. And he did like a 10-show uh, 10 run there. And then uh, more recently, I saw Heaven and Hell there. Basically, Dio fronted Sabbath. That's cool. Um, it was great. And here's, then a lot 35. Here's Paul doing his little Stevie Wonder here. Hey, Joey, what do you think of the uh, the clear snare drum head? I, I don't like to use it, that's for sure. I mean, I, 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 I believe it or not, I, I like the sound of Eric's drums on this tour, but I hate clear snare drum heads to use. I like coated stuff. I used to like to use them way back in the day, and I got out of the habit. One time recently, I used a clear head on the snare, and I really I like hey, No it. more gear talk. Let's listen to Paul. Really? <laughs> yeah. Hey, uh... Um, Clear See the boo-boo? Yeah. Oh, I missed it. <laughs> I'll point it out again. Chris, email Paul right now and ask him how he got the boo-boo. <laughs> what a dope. Can he sings this part here? I mean, he needs a, a smidge of a chest trim. I mean, the, the chest hair is out of control during this. <laughs> Just a little trim. He's back down again on his knees like he was for Creatures. I like those sideburns cut to a, a, a point as well. Didn't quite nail that one. <laughs> you know, at the end of the show, he's running out of gas. If you look on YouTube, I think there's an unedited version of, of this concert without all the overdubs. It's quite different. Really? Of course, yeah. Once again, like Paul says, if you want to hear it correct, listen to the record. If you want to come see the show and enjoy the energy and enjoy the, the vibe, then that's what we're here for, you know? And I, I agree. I mean, I don't give a shit. I mean, I, I want to hear perfect. When I watch this video 17,000 times, I want to hear the right notes. I don't want to hear mistakes. Right. Yeah. Well, and it's if, not like it's a perfect show. Well, if we were, if right. we were there, we'd be going crazy. We wouldn't notice any bad notes. Yeah. Here we go. Bam. It's at the end of the King of the Nighttime World. Nice little, uh, 
nice little touch there. A little throwback. Yeah. Bow, bow, bow. I like the Tarzan swing coming up. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> Chris, <laughs> let's see what Chris's thoughts are on this little, uh, this little <laughs> trick here. I actually forgot about that. Oh, there it is. Ah. Slow-mo. <laughs> Steve Plunkett could do that better. <laughs> Chris, what do you well, think you, of the... There, uh, there, there was that slow-motion landing, very Plunkett-esque, so... <laughs> I like how they did it in slow motion because it happened so fast and it wasn't cool at all, but they just said, let's just do this. Let's I, slow it down a little bit. That's right. Let's milk it. I'm really impressed with the uh, the work that production manager Gary Zembo did and George <laughs> Bleich on maintenance was great. Arnie Rosenberg did a good job. He did. Why didn't they do the jump through the hoop of fire like in the video? How could you not recreate that live? Do Look it at, every night. Because you probably with insurance reasons. That's good why. point. Got to take care of your uh, and, uh, moneymaker. I like when Paul also, shoots the, the microphone around his neck. They're milking it, man. They're not going home early. <laughs> Have you ever tried the microphone around your neck? Not you around my neck. That. I've swung it, but I would never do it around my neck. I feel like I'd hit myself in the face. <laughs> hey, listen, it's worth a shot. You should. I think you should do. I think you should go for it. Other people have tried to do it for. <laughs> <laughs> Directed by Keith. Directed by Keith. I feel that Keith Richards was actually the director on this, which would be oh, amazing. Oh, Keith Co. Productions, right? There it is. That's it, Keith Co. Keith Co. Productions. Oh, there it is. There you go. So, uh, ladies and gentlemen, that was the classic. Yeah. Very good stuff. Kiss Animalized Live Uncensored. We watched that on YouTube. Just to wrap things up, first of all, for the guy that's never seen it before, what's your overall thoughts on this, Chris? I'm pressed. I loved the energy of it. Reminds me of the uh, Hot in the Shade tour show from Auburn Hills, Michigan. That's in uh, Kissology. That's right. Um, just uh, a great show. Great venue. It's a very uh, sentimental role in my life, and um, I enjoyed it big time. Frank, any thoughts watching it with some other huge fans? Um, I'm surprised no one could see the boo boo. um yeah i I mean i never get tired of watching it It is it's always fun to watch it with somebody who's never seen it and overall one of your favorite gigs oh yeah yeah absolutely i'm more i'm more a 70s kiss guy than an 80s kiss guy but i never get tired of watching this this video joey yeah this this video brings me back to my childhood immediately this is exactly Kiss is how I remember them in my childhood. I, of course, I love makeup Kiss. I love 70s Kiss, but 80s Kiss is what I grew up on. So starting with this, this is really what, what started my fandom and what I worshipped for years and years and years. I've, prob- I've, not probably, I've seen this gig more than any other gig in my lifetime at almost 50 years old. I can honestly say I've probably seen this from beginning to end a hundred times. And sometimes when I'm, when I'm, if I'm we're on the tour bus or if I'm just at home, uh, I'll have a bunch of drinks and either watch Kiss Analyze and Censored or I'll watch every Kiss video in chronological order. And it, 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 it never gets old. It never gets old. Never. And if, if you ask me from a pretentious artistic standpoint, my favorite gig of all time is Queen at Live Aid. If you ask me from my heart and from my dick... As Gene would say, 
this is the best gig of all time. It's it's a time it's a time frame it's a time capsule and it's my favorite band, uh, not at their peak but a pretty f- good version of them that kicked off my my love affair for Kiss started with this and this year. I would say as a group of players though this probably was their peak. I mean yeah I mean I agree with you and I I, I mean once again and, and continues on obviously after Eric passed away I think Eric Singer was was a great musician as well so. Th- yeah, eighty four to to ninety six, I think was Kiss's best musician time frame. Do you agree with that, Joey? Absolutely. I I think this, believe it or not, is their peak. I think slowly after this, even you know during Crazy Nights and stuff, live versions of of their tours, I think they went downhill a little tiny bit. I, I think agree. Eric's playing went down a little bit. Bruce's playing went down. Sound the crowds went wise. down. Everything went Production down a little went bit. Down. I think. Yeah, I think energy and and tightness. They were hungry, so hungry at this point that I think, and they weren't chasing the Bon Jovis yet. Right. They weren't doing all of that stuff yet. So I think they were super hungry and just being themselves, super raw at this point. And I think this is their peak. I, I think part of it is like at this point in their career, you know, Bon Jovi hadn't really broken yet, and they were still kind of competing with a lot of like the 80s bands they were like kind of on the same level and having come back from taking off the makeup and everything they felt like they had something to prove they got a little bit left behind by bands like bon jovi mm-hmm. who started selling 10 million albums and yep. you know doing huge huge business and they were they were just a little bit of a you know a mid-level uh 80s band and i think that made them a little tired uh later in the 80s what you do know, you think like, what do you think chris yeah, I think that's accurate. I think what we talked about earlier is like right now they're kind of in that Van Halen uh, wheelhouse, which, you know, Van Halen technically was a 70s band, came out toward the end of the 70s and ended up defining that whole 80s aesthetic. Um, but, um, you know, I think Kiss was uh, kind of uh, trying to run with them. And I also, when I hear the first. Uh, Vinny albums and going into Lick It Up, I hear a lot of uh, that period of Judas Priest in their music. So um, yeah, I think those were the bands that they were kind of competing with. And then, like uh, Frank just said, you had the more the, the emergence of more pop metal that they, like you said, perfectly they kind of left them behind a little bit it's a great point and just kind of to, to wrap it up i think what frank was saying was a great point if you look at kiss's peaks it was probably 77 when they were obviously the biggest band in the world then they go straight downhill from there not straight but there's a steady decline then they get another chance 83 84 is kind of the 85 is the peak of that and the second then, peak second peak right and then the novelty wears off was asylum and whatever and then they start going down again until 96 comes and they reunite, which is the third peak. And I think, and then listen, we can even throw the end of the road tour where they're playing sold out shows and all that sort of thing. But real kiss, it's 77, 84 and 96. And I think you're, I think you, you, you were right about that. So what was your favorite part of the animalized video? Joey, what's your favorite part? My favorite part of the animalized video is, I mean, always the Eric Carr solo. When I was a kid growing up, that was my be-all, end-all. I, I can copy that solo lick for lick, note for note. I studied it for years, so that was easily my favorite. And then going into Young and Wasted, hearing Eric singing, 
that was everything to me. Frank? Well, yeah, definitely Eric's solo. And also just the way it opens with them coming up on the uh, riser from behind the stage. That's a really powerful way to open a show. And then launching into Detroit Rock City. Come on. Come on. Chris? Well, you have to ask. It's the Steve Plunkett Jones. Oh, God. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I'm going to incorporate those into my everyday routine. It's just instant awesomeness whenever you do them. Uh, for me, it was uh, the Paul stage raps are so great. Um, the, the, the nurse is awesome. The, the illegitimate baby uh, rap was a classic. Uh, there's quotes in this that we use this day. You know hotel that we stayed at? The only hotel that'll let us stay. Let us stay. Uh, we use that on the road all the time. Song-wise, lick it up. It's so fast. But it's just so much energy. It's frenetic. I feel that Paul's barely hanging on for dear life, but he nails it. And uh, just a great moment in rock and roll history. So, um, Well, dudes, I mean, once again, great to talk to you guys. And I'm glad we got to do this. And uh, it's another reason why, listen, the quarantine kind of sucks, but there's a lot of good that comes out of it. And uh, this is one of them. And uh, you guys made a new friend. Chris, you made yep. two new friends. So there you go. <laughs> Just what I need. Just what I need. More drummers in my. (laughs) (laughs) We should do this again. We'll we'll pick another subject and we'll uh, we'll do this again some other time. Sounds good. Listen, I'll I'll put it out there too. If Fozzie wants to put me on retainer, I will gladly be on the road with you guys, (laughs) just just to watch Animalize live on Tencent every night. I'm I'm in. Joey's on retainer for 18 bands, uh, Frank. Just so you know, this is not a underlying thing. So, (laughs) Fozzie's 19, 19. Cheers, guys. Thank you so much, and uh, stay safe, and hopefully we'll get together and do this again soon. Yeah. Cool. Thanks, boys. Oh, yay. Woo! Yeah. You people are dynamite! <laughs>